الحمد للہ الحمد للہ We weren't here and a time will come when we won't be still here. We would have moved on. And there were millions, billions of people before us who were here, but they are not around today. So this is a passing phase in our journey which has started very long ago. The journey that commenced from Alam Arwah, Allah Ta'ala had created and gathered the souls and this journey this is a very very short phase of that journey our stay in dunya and then we will move on to the qabr and then the day of qiyamah and then is the everlasting akhirat so this phase of life that we are here for is this just something in passing like a person traveling so sometimes he stops somewhere for some sightseeing he stops somewhere for some rest and just carries on, there's no real objective in there if he doesn't really stop there, it doesn't matter is this the way that we are passing through dunya or is there something more to it so obviously this vast world that Allah Ta'ala has created and all these human beings that are in this world and this entire universe that Allah Ta'ala has created in the service of this humanity this cannot be in vain and Allah Ta'ala himself spells us out that we haven't created all this in vain we haven't created this in vain just one point is, is the magazines that are being brought in the masjid sometimes people are sitting on it there might be some ayats of the Quran Sharif in it please make sure some people keep it in the shoes also somebody kept it on the chair I think and it's very disrespectful, there are sometimes ayats, ahadith, please make sure there are no magazines that sit on the chairs. So in any case, the point we are making is that this entire universe Allah Ta'ala created, the purpose of this universe is very very sublime. It's not just in vain. And it is that this insan Allah Ta'ala has created in this universe this insan has been created for the worship of Allah Ta'ala Allah Ta'ala spells it out in the Quran Sharif وَمَا خَلَقْتُ الْجِنَّ وَالْإِنسَ إِلَّا لِيَعْبُدُونَ that we have not created this insan and jinnat except لِيَعْبُدُونَ so that they may worship me this is our object this is why we are here in dunya to worship Allah Ta'ala and this worshipping of Allah Ta'ala is to recognize who is our Rabb Allah Ta'ala has created us Allah Ta'ala is sustaining us and to totally submit ourselves in His obedience so whether it is our Salah whether it is our dealings whether it is our social life whether it is our Akhlaq 
whether it is anything in life. This is what Allah Ta'ala has created us for. That we totally submit him, ourselves to Him. Then this deen that Allah Ta'ala has given us is a complete way of life. And it is a complete perfect way of life. And a very balanced way of life. Every need of this insan has been taken care of. This insan has a need to eat and drink. Then the guidelines have been given in that regard. There are numerous things that he is allowed to consume. The things that are impermissible are very limited. The rest of it is all halal for him. He needs to earn a living. The guidelines for that have been set for him. And all the other needs. And he has been taught how to keep this balance in life. On one occasion, some Sahaba came to the homes of Rasulullah and obviously fulfilling the requirements of hijab, they inquired from the azwaj mutahharat, from the noble and chaste wives of Rasulullah Tell us what was the life of Nabi indoors. How did he spend his time when he was at home? So they explained, this is how he spent his time. He spent his time with his family also. He spent some time in ibadat. He spent some time resting as well. So in any case, they heard all this detail. After hearing this detail, they misunderstood the whole issue. And they thought to themselves and discussed among themselves that this is something which is fine for Nabi Wasallam. He is masoom, he is sinless. But people like us, we cannot continue in this manner. We have to do something beyond this. Because we are not sinless. So one of them declared, as of today I will fast every day of my life. I'm not going to skip any day. Obviously the five days that are impermissible, that's out. I'm going to fast every day. The other person, he said, as of today I'm not going to sleep at all. Every night, the whole night I will spend in ibadat. Third person decided, I'm never going to get married. My life I'm going to spend in this manner that I'm never going to get married. Because if I'm going to get married, this is going to become an obstacle in dedicating myself to ibadat. Now they made these decisions among themselves. Nabi Islam came to know of this. That this was the discussion. Nabi Islam came to them. Asked them, are you the people who discuss these things? Are you the people who made these decisions? Said, yes, we have done this. So Rasulullah then addressed them and said to them, that listen carefully. Inni lillahi wa I have the greatest fear of Allah Ta'ala from all of you. And I have the greatest taqwa. Because you need to look at this in the correct perspective. If you think you want to compete with me, then Allah Ta'ala has blessed me with this. But at the same time, this is my way of life which I am now presenting to you. My way of life is, Inni asumu wa uftir. There are days when I fast, the nafil fast obviously, there are days when I fast, there are days when I don't fast also. There's a balance. Mondays and Thursdays was a standard practice. Apart from that also there were days when Nabi Sallallahu would fast, and then there were days he would not fast. Wa usalli wa arqud. There's part of the night that I spend in salah, and there are parts of the night that I rest also. I'm also married. So I have this complete balance in my life. The one who does not take to my way of life, then he's not among my followers. 
he is somebody else. In other words, he is not conforming totally to what we are doing. So Nabi Islam taught us this complete balance. And he taught us this complete moderation. The deen has the priority in everything, but there is space for all the other needs of insan within the framework of shariat. Now, among the various needs that this insan has, he has his need to eat, his need to sleep, he also has his need for some relaxation, physical relaxation in the form of rest, some mental relaxation as well. This is his need, Allah Ta'ala created him in this manner that he has all these needs, he needs to eat, if he can't, if he doesn't eat the whole day, he won't be able to function. He needs to sleep, he cannot continue without sleep. So likewise, he has this need of some mental relaxation. This is insan. And we have been given the guidelines in this regard as well. If you open the books of hadith, you'll find in numerous books of hadith a chapter titled Babu Maja'a Fi Mizahin Nabi something to that effect. The ahadith relating to the light-heartedness of Rasulullah sallallahu Allah's Nabi sallallahu was beyond this. But he took care of the needs of those around him. He engaged in light-heartedness sometimes with his wives, with the sahaba ikram. Because this is also something that's a need, it creates some little, it energizes a person, it rests the mind, it makes a person feel refreshed. Nabi Islam did this also. Now this is a need nevertheless, but every need, the principle of the need is that it will be confined to the extent of the need. Now in a pot of food, there is a need for salt also. But that amount of salt that is necessary for that food will be added. And that whole pot of food, there is a teaspoon or two teaspoons of salt that is required. Now if a person decides that without the salt there is no flavor in the food, the salt is what adds the flavor. So now if I want the flavor in this food, I must add more salt. So he decides not one, two teaspoons, he puts one, two cups full of salt into it. What is the end result of that food? This one, two cups will now spoil that entire food. It will not be edible. It will not be, he will not be able to eat it. If he eats it, he might get sick. So that salt was very, very important for that food. It's what brought all the flavor to that food. But beyond the need, it spoiled it. Now this is exactly the situation that this mental relaxation that we need, which nowadays has taken another complete different dimension. Nowadays it has become entertainment. Mental relaxation was something Sharia provided for, within the limits. Nabi Islam at night would sit around with his wives. He would sometimes say to them incidents of the past. This would also make them comfortable, but there would be lessons in it as well. It would be light-hearted also. All this was part of this mental relaxation. But the dimension that things have taken nowadays is something else. Now it has become entertainment. And that entertainment has moved on to the point where it has become an obsession. There are those in life for whom entertainment is their way of life. These are the people who call themselves hedonists. And this hedonism the meaning of hedonism that has been defined is that the pursuit of pleasure is the chief object of life. That pleasure is the chief object of life. There is no other real object of life. A person must live life to the full. 
he must enjoy what he wants. There must be no restrictions, no prohibitions, no inhibitions. There mustn't be anything like a difference between nikah and zina, all free for all. He must do as he wishes. And the pursuit of this pleasure is the ideal aim of conduct. This is part of this definition of hedonism. It's the ideal aim of conduct, meaning that this is the best thing you can do. You should not be restricted from anything. Though in the process you'll become what Allah Ta'ala describes in the Quran Sharif, that in whom illa kal an'am balhum adal. That they are like animals rather worse than animals. Now this is where, this is the type of life that some people have made for themselves. This is their religion. This is their way of life. This hedonism. Alhamdulillah, we are not hedonists. Allah Ta'ala has blessed us with Iman. Allah Ta'ala keep us with this Iman, take us with Iman. And raise us on the day of Qiyamah with Iman. But often if we try to look within ourselves, we do some soul searching, we do some reflection and pondering, we'll find unfortunately many a times, while Alhamdulillah in belief we are not hedonists, but we live our life sometimes like the hedonists. So what is that? That way that fun and pleasure will take precedence, deen also will take the back seat. If there's a clash between the two, then deen will take the back seat. Then the entertainment must come first. Now this is the hedonist. This is his way of life. Alhamdulillah we are not hedonists, but we start imitating them in this aspect. Now there's a game on, and the salah time comes in between, so that can wait. This game can't wait. Though that game itself is a big question mark whether that is within the parameters of Sharia or not. If it is within the parameters of Sharia, then too that becomes an issue. That way deen is getting neglected because of it. And if the commands of Allah Ta'ala being broken in the process, then that is totally out in itself. Then that has become even closer to the hiddenness. That doesn't matter that the laws of Allah Ta'ala are being broken here, but this is where my fun is. This is where my entertainment is. And in order to now bring some kind of justification, we are living in a time where everything can be made permissible. But just manipulating things as we want, in this era of legitimization, so now you'll find people ready to legitimize even anything. And we'll find something or the other. For example, one hadith of Rasulullah On the one hand, this is the lesson also, this aspect of mental relaxation which Nabi Islam engaged in. But at the same time, the lesson that what were the parameters? What were the limits and boundaries? Once Nabi Islam was on a journey, and as the journey is moving on, the Sahaba would, the Azwaj Mutaharat, Hazrat Aisha was with, she was traveling in what was a hodaj, used to be a completely covered carriage. As they moved on, at one stage Nabi Islam said to the Sahaba, Taqaddamu, all of you move ahead. All move ahead, we'll join up. So in any case, everybody moved ahead. When all were out of sight, when all were out of sight, Nabi Islam said to Hazrat Aisha radiallahu ta'ala I'm going to race with you. Now this was that mental relaxation that he wanted to give her the opportunity for. I'm going to race with you. So in any case, they raced. Hazrat Aisha radiallahu says that I was very lightweight at that time. I was very much quicker and I beat him. In any case, 
after this was over, we finally came and joined up with the caravan and we moved on. Time came and went. Sometime later, again they were traveling. Again, Nabi someone at some stage said to the Sahaba, Taqaddam, all of you move on. Move ahead. When they were all out of sight, Nabi Salaam said to the Aisha, Anha, I'm going to race with you again. They raced. And this time she says that I had picked up some weight. I couldn't run as fast. Nabi Salaam beat me. After he beat me, he said to me, look, I've leveled it out now. Last time you beat me, this time I beat you. Now this was on the one hand, this mental relaxation that Nabi Salaam gave her the opportunity for. But the other, the other part of it is, the very important lesson in this. Now this becomes the legitimization here, that ignoring the other very crucial aspect in this Hadith Sharif, what is the legitimization? That what was this? This was exercising. This is part of exercising. This was this racing is exercising. So this is something established. So I'm going to exercise. Every woman is also going to exercise. And where are we going to exercise now? In the gym. And the midst of all the fitna. And all the nudity. And the music. And now all are going to be cycling and gymming and swimming in front of everybody. And then in which manner? Doesn't matter if the satar is now fully covered or not. Or that cycling gear is such that it doesn't even count for covering the satar. That doesn't matter. Because now we are all exercising. But the crucial part of the Hadith Sharif, when Nabi Islam first said to the Sahaba, you move on, out of sight. Because I am going to be engaging in some little mental relaxation now for the sake of Aisha anha. But this will have to be in the limit, within the limits of hijab. That will not be compromised in any way. That will not be something that we will just take for granted. And when everybody was out of sight, then this little interaction happened, which enhances the bond between spouses. But now this gets ignored. That way the limits were set. Why? Because that entertainment becomes the obsession. That becomes the driving factor in the person's life. The Western life is what? Make money, have fun. Full stop. In order to have the fun that is the primary object, but without money you can't make, can't have fun, so make money to have fun, and then making money itself becomes fun. That doesn't become just a means to an end, that itself becomes objective. So for some that becomes part of the entertainment, so that becomes a driving factor in a person's life, and there's no end to it. And then together with that, everything else that entertains the person, regardless of whether deen is trampled or not. And then this entertainment moves on. It creeps into every aspect of a person's life. Then that entertainment will take precedence over even his family time. And if it is within the parameters of Sharia, that's one thing. But even that also starts losing its attraction for him. So now he wants to get onto harder things. And this is the scourge of society. It stems from where? This obsession of entertainment. Now he's watching filth privately first. And then that too now becomes too much of a bother. Then he's watching it in front of his wife also. Where it's stemming from? This obsession for entertainment. Allah forbid many a woman also is caught up into it. Then this creeps in even into deen. That even deen and deeny aspects will now be judged on the basis of what is the entertainment factor in it. Nobody will say it in so many words. 
But that is what will make the person decide what to do, how to do, where to go. Hajj and Umrah will become a kind of entertainment. The ibadat will be part of it. Person will make tawaf obviously. He'll make some tilawat, he'll make some zikr, dua. But the thing that will drive him, what will form the main part of the agenda and the itinerary, will be the entertainment part. What he's going to do, where he's going to buy, what from, and what he's going to entertain himself with. He'll make ibadat as well. A nikah, bigger factor in it will become how entertaining can it be made. It's a great ibadat. So now I say ibadat, fine, we'll have it in the masjid. And then maybe at the venue, wherever the rest of everything is going to happen, we'll include one qirat also. There'll be some recitation of Quran Sharif also. Maybe some dini nasihat as well. And then free for all. So all this will be just to give it some color of deen. But what will the time be spent in planning? How it can become a star-studded event? Tain everyone. They are all discarded. Everything is by the way. Why? Because of this entertainment. Qurbani will become entertainment. Where we will get more excitement. How we will get more excitement. Whether in the process that animal is going to be traumatized or not. That's secondary. But it will be very exciting to have that bull in the small yard, drop it down in a un, rather unskilled manner, and somehow, whatever is necessary, but get it done in a very dramatic way. But what trauma that animal goes through in that process, that's a secondary issue. But why this will be the way we'll do it? Because it'll give us a lot of excitement, a lot of entertainment. And then, even deen and the talim of deen, the knowledge of deen, some discourse of deen will all be judged on the entertainment factor. If there is some entertainment factor in the talk of deen that is going to take place, then we will be there, there will be no need to even practice on what we are going to hear. And after we have heard it also, we leave it all behind and move on, because we came for entertainment. So if that is a very, going to be a very exciting time that we will have, well and good will be there. And if somebody is in a very simple manner pouring his heart out, it might be a very senior personality coming from somewhere, or a kabir or somebody, and he's somebody whose credentials we are 100% aware of, but it won't be so exciting. In the time of Sayyidina Umar radiallahu ta'ala, a person by the name of Ahnaf, he came from Basra for the first time to Madinah Munawara. He hadn't come before. He was known as Sayyidu Ahlil Basra. He was a scholar of such high repute. Very, very highly learned person. He came to Madinah Munawwara in the time of Sayyidina Umar for the first time. Any case, when he came, he was a person who had a very big following in Basra. So he came. Now when Hazrat Umar heard him, and he heard this person's eloquence, he heard this person's manner of presenting things and what a wonderful way he has, what an attractive manner and his knowledge flowing so in any case he told him Abul Ahwad that look, I want you to stay here for one year subhanallah, what a kind of people were in that time he told him for one year this person stayed away he said for this one year daily, morning and evening I want you to come and spend some time by me and you tell me whatever you want to tell me, you discuss whatever you want to discuss, but for one whole year, you come morning and evening to me. This person came every, he stayed away, one whole year, he's coming every morning and every evening. This whole year passed. 
after this whole year passed, Umar ibn Anu now heard him every day, whatever he was discussing, whatever points of knowledge he's bringing forth, whatever discourses are taking place, he's observing everything carefully, observing the person carefully. After one year, he asks him that, do you know why I kept you behind for one year? Subhanallah, listen to his answer. His simple answer is, la. I don't know why you asked me to stay for one year. Somebody asked us to say, but why you want me to stay for a lot of work to do? Now, this person is a scholar of this repute. He has a following, which is a vast following. So Umar asked him to stay for one year. One year has passed. He asked him, do you know why I asked you to stay? He said, no, I don't know why you asked me to stay. My elder, my senior has asked me to stay. I'm ready. Without question. So he says, well, listen to why I asked you to stay. But then he says, I heard Rasulullah sallallahu saying, that inna akhwafa ma akhafu alaykum ba'di kulla munafiqin alimil lisan that the greatest fear I have for you after me after I have gone obviously Nabi Salaam is predicting something far in time but he put it forward in these, way, these words that the greatest fear that I have after I have left the dunya is for that hypocrite who has a very knowledge who can but in his heart, his aqidah, but he can quote extensive, but he's very glib with his, he's very eloquent, a good twang also. But now what will be the, in which something will go, people will take to him, that this person uh, sounds so nice, it's like a person, a decision to buy a car, why? Because the hooter sounds well. So he comes and he presses the hooter, subhanallah, what a melodious hooter, he's not bothered about the rest of it. It's belching smoke, that doesn't matter. But the hooter sounds very good. So he makes a decision to buy the car on the basis of the sound of the hooter. So I said, Umar, Umar radiallahu ta'ala, person in that zamana, in that time and era, is very, very eloquent, sounding very good. So he starts from saying this, that the thing I fear most, Umar, is that munaq who has a knowledgeable tongue. And then he says to him, وَخَشِيتُ أَن تَكُونَ مِنْهُمْ Fear that you are also Allah. Can we imagine the purity of hearts of the people of that time? That somebody could have the heart to him that also. That look, this was my worry about. This was my concern. If somebody, our senior also tells us this, we cannot digest it. Forget something of this nature. If somebody has to tell me that, that I'm worried about you, that you got nifaq, he won't even tell it to me because he doesn't know how I'll digest it. Whether I will even be able to take it. So in any case, he said to him, I was afraid that you are also among them. When I heard what you are saying, attraction in everything. But you are a foreign land, I had no idea who you are. Your credentials, like nowadays somebody might be just some YouTube scholar. He's somebody clean shaven, somebody with a suit and boot, but he can speak very, very eloquently. Now that becomes the basis to accept him. And somebody can be, his whole life can be living in Sunnah. He has come, taken his knowledge from those who are authentically, have been gaining the knowledge from their seniors, in that unbroken chain from Rasulullah but the excitement is missing here the excitement is missing here, this is not worth the while where it's worth it is where it's very exciting doesn't matter what the person is then saying in the midst of all the very fancy talk which might 90% be in order but the 10% poison that's sometimes coming through which then throws a person completely off the rail but now where does all this stem from? from that obsession for entertainment that even deen will be taken on the basis of the entertainment factor. Then whether it is correct or not, but it's very exciting. Now this is the 
unfortunate situation that we are going in headlong and we are making decisions of, of even in deen on the basis of this obsession for entertainment. And this is something, there is no end to it. The only way that will come to an end to it is we have to change this obsession to entertainment for entertainment and bring the reality. The heart is craving for something. The heart is craving for what is its, its nourishment. You cannot nourish the stomach by looking at something very nice. The eyes might feel very comforted by looking at a good scenery. But the stomach is hungry. You can look at the best scenery for as long as you want. The hunger of the stomach is not going to be fulfilled with that. The eyes might be comforted maybe. Likewise, the heart has its own need. And the need of the heart is that the remembrance of Allah Ta'ala is what gives contentment to the heart, this complete obedience of Allah Ta'ala. And His remembrance, practically, verbally, bringing tilawat of the Qur'an Sharif alive in our homes, bringing the talim of, the, of deen alive in our homes, remembering Allah Ta'ala, bringing the zikr of Allah Ta'ala alive, our five times salah, bringing deen in its entirety alive. Then this will bring contentment to the heart, it will bring serenity, it will bring that happiness that we are looking for, and then the heart will be nourished. Otherwise we can spend our whole life trying to chase fun in all these avenues of entertainment, but it will just keep going deeper and deeper, we will destroy our deen also, Allah forbid, we will destroy our dunya in the process as well. Allah Ta'ala save us from such a situation, Allah Ta'ala give us this reality of deen, and fill our hearts with this muhabbat and remembrance.